for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's podcast. Well, good morning. Wow. Tell you what, church family, it gets harder for me every Sunday to get up here and preach uh, after the music and just sensing God's Spirit. I don't know if I'm alone in that. I hope that I'm not. And uh, if you did have a week like Joey, I'm glad that you're here. If you had a week like me, I'm glad that you're here. And so, uh, in order not to uh, disappoint, we're going to talk about Nicodemus this morning. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We are going to look at uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. If you want to turn there, we are going to talk about prayer this morning. And uh, while you're turning there, there's a story about a fellow who was having trouble with his diet. And he began to pray, Oh Lord, if it be your will for me not to have donuts, please don't let there be any parking places in front of the Krispy Kreme. But alas, after he had eaten about a dozen donuts that day, because there was a parking space in the front on the twelfth time around the block. So I don't know how you've been praying this week, but we are going to talk about being a person of shameless audacity, and I think next week is our last study, or maybe we've got a couple more as we look at some parables. And in June, we will be switching, and we'll start the book of James together through the summer months, so I'm looking forward to that. Jesus has been talking in uh, Luke chapter 11. He's been teaching the disciples about prayer, and I loved uh, Gretchen's version that she read from this morning because there's some key things we'll point out along the way, but let's Let's pick up together. Jesus teaches them and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And then we get to verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to this friend, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he shall answer and say, do not bother me, the door's already been shut, my children and I are in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And Jesus says to them, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, and he who knocks it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He won't give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love this story, this friend at night. And Jesus is telling us this story for a reason. And the reason is this, to remind us that Jesus responds to our prayers. He answers our prayers. Some of you could give testimony if we 
kind of old school opened up the microphone this morning and said, who wants to share about how God has answered prayer? No doubt most of us, if not all of us, could come up and share several times where God has answered prayers, and we probably would be here for, for days. Maybe we need to do that sometime. But Jesus has been sharing with the disciples about uh, the Lord's Prayer as he kicked off this chapter, and now he shifts gears into this parable about a friend who calls at midnight. Now, before we kind of look at it verse by verse, as you know I like to do and dig in here, let me talk a little bit about what kind of sets this passage up and why it's so important. Jesus is talking about hospitality. And hospitality in 2021, especially in North America, has kind of lost its meaning. We don't really know what hospitality is, but hospitality in the biblical world was of huge, uh, paramount importance. And when a guest arrived, even unexpected, and even at midnight, it was the responsibility of the person of the home to extend hospitality and to welcome them in. Uh, I think about uh, some of you who have been with me and will be going again in a few weeks this summer to the Dominican Republic. It's interesting in other countries outside of America how hospitality is fostered. We joke uh, with our teams, and those of you who have gone with me, you know, we joke because we have our schedule, but we often will say, well, we'll get there about 2 o'clock DRT. And what DRT means is Dominican Republic time. We might should suppose to start at 2, but it might be 2.15, it might be 2.30, it might be 3 o'clock. And I used to think in those kind of cultures, well, how disrespectful. We have a schedule. We have an agenda. We've set a time here, and you people are showing up 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes late. How disrespectful. And then I started to realize that they're not being disrespectful. It's the culture of hospitality. If they're on the way to meet you at 2.30... And they pass by a friend who has a need. They will stop and they'll talk to that friend and converse and maybe pray with that friend and have a conversation with that friend and they'll forget about meeting you. And after they've done business with that friend, then they'll pick back up with their agenda and head to their destination. And it reminds me that relationships are more important than destinations. We have a destination that God wants us to go as a church and we'll talk about that actually next week. And that's important. But oftentimes it's the relationships that are built along life's journey that are most important. And hospitality was a big deal. So when this man in the story finds himself at his home, and a guest arrives, and there's not enough bread to take care of his guest, it's a big deal that he meets the need of his guest. And so he goes to a friend and asks to borrow some, even though he has to wake up this friend's entire household. Now, again, you've got to remember, you and I have to remember and put in context what's going on here because we read in the verse, in this passage, verse 7, that the friend answers from inside and says, don't bother me, the door's already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. Now, we have to kind of get out of our 21st century mindset and realize if that happened at your house, you may think, no big deal. My kids are upstairs, they're in another bedroom. They probably didn't even hear the door bang or the doorbell ring because they're out. They're snoozing, they're snoring, they're asleep. But in biblical times, how many of them had a 2,400 square foot home? Not many, if any, right? 
So it's probably a one-room home. All the beds are in this home. Maybe even many kids sharing one bed. Maybe even the whole family sharing one bed. Maybe the parents of the home sleeping on the floor in hay and straw. And so if somebody rattles the door, it wakes up the entire household. And maybe the father even has to climb over the sleeping children to get to the door. So we have to kind of mentally put in context what's happening here. And the people to whom Jesus is speaking would be picturing this in their mind. They would be understanding what Jesus is talking about. Maybe one room, people climbing over one another. It's easy for us in modern day world to kind of sympathize with this person who's been awakened at his door, the door's knocked. I don't know about you, but if that happened in my neighborhood at 1 a.m. and somebody knocked on the door, most of us would pull out our gun or our weapon and go to the door and see, Who is that? Who's at my door? But in biblical times, this was somewhat normal. And in the culture of the biblical world, though we may think that the midnight caller who's knocking is really pushing the limits of the friendship... The person who's really on display right here and who is important to this story is the friend who has the opportunity to provide hospitality to this other friend who has need. Because this friend's honor is at stake. If he can't meet the needs of this visiting guest, his honor is at stake. So Jesus is using a a cultural illustration that the people of the day would have understood well. And he says to this man who will eventually respond to the friend's request, not because he is a friend, but the text says because of, and Gretchen's translation rightly says, because of his shameless persistence. So what I want to talk to us about this morning is being a person of shameless audacity. How are we people of shameless audacity? The woken up friend would incur dishonor if he failed to help his neighbor in this obligation. So he responds. And so should we when it comes to being shameless and being audacious in our prayers and in our request of God. Now don't don't confuse the parable. God is not the person sleeping in the home. God is not the one climbing over the children. The point Jesus is trying to make is the way to go about praying. And I want to kind of share three of those things with you this morning. And hopefully uh, in your small groups you can dive a little bit deeper if you like. And here's the first one. To be a person of shameless audacity, we have to be willing to risk. Be willing to risk. I love the translation that Gretchen read because my translation doesn't quite put it the way the original language says it. In verse 9 it says this, I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. More correctly, it would actually says what her translation said. And that is, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Now, all these verbs are continuous verbs. Jesus is not suggesting this is one single activity that we do in prayer, and we kind of check that off of our list. Well, I ask, Lord, I seek after you, and I knock, I'm done. But that's kind of the way we do it sometimes in our modern Christianity. And these descriptions, really, that Jesus is giving here speak of an ongoing persistence in prayer, being willing to risk and being willing to trust. All too often... 
in my life, and I'll confess to you, this of all the Christian doctrines that we are supposed to practice, like fellowship and worship and confession, prayer for me is one of the most difficult. Maybe that's true of you. And sometimes maybe your prayers are like my prayers are sometimes. They are just merely wishes that we cast up to heaven. I would tell you this morning, that's not prayer. That's wishing upon a star. And God wants us, Christ is sharing here through this parable, He wants us to be involved in real prayer. So how do we do it? We have to ask, we have to seek, not. We have to be willing to risk. And one of the things that I discovered here studying this, when it comes to talking about shamelessness, it means in the sense that one is insensitive to what is proper. Have we in the church got so sensitive to what is maybe even proper etiquette in church when it comes to prayer that we've lost the shameless audacity of approaching God? I think I've shared this story before about a friend of mine that I grew up with who kind of went his wayward way as a high school student and college student. And his mom sung in the choir at the church that we were in. And week after week after week, she would slip out of the choir and she would come down front and she would pray and she would beg God to save her son and seek God. And after a few weeks, most of us thought, well, isn't that great? She's being persistent. And after a few months, we thought, wow, she's being persistent. And after a few years, some people thought, do you not have anything else to pray about? Because she continued to be shamelessly persisting God in prayer, regardless of what other people thought, even regardless of what church people thought. That's the kind of persistence that Jesus is talking about here. Shameless persistence, caring not about the opinions of other people. Tenacity, insistence without regard to time, place, or person. I don't know about you, church family, but the prayer of my heart, is that I would be that kind of person. Not that kind of person yet. I want to be that kind of person. And yet when you read this about Jesus telling these people, the disciples and others maybe who were standing around listening about ask, seek, and knock. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You and I know that oftentimes that does not match our personal experience. Sometimes that even contradicts our personal experience. Many of us have prayed for God to move in a certain way and then God hasn't moved in that way. Or we've prayed maybe for the health of one of our family members, for God to touch them and God chose not to act that way. And so sometimes when we persist and when we ask and when we keep on begging and seeking after God, sometimes our experience contradicts Jesus' words. So how do we respond when that happens? So often, some of us maybe have asked and not received, or we've searched and we have not found. And in spite of our fervent prayers, there's still lost loved ones that pass away because of disease and accident. How how do you respond to that? How do you wrap your head around that? In spite of the fervent prayers that I pray often for violence to end in our world and for hungry children to be fed and for some of the things that the Bible even says are God's will, some of these things don't come to pass. And if God really is the loving parent that Jesus begins to compare him to at the end of this parable, we'll read in just a moment, why do so many prayers seem to go unanswered? Let me give you some things that I think. I think sometimes our world likes to give simple answers to complex questions. 
We talked several weeks ago about a lot of myths that we hear in church, and sometimes some of those myths are simple answers to complex questions. Here's one that we sometimes say about prayers. Sometimes God, it's not that God isn't answering our prayer. Sometimes God answers, or God always answers, but sometimes maybe God says, no, that's true. I don't know if you've ever had anybody tell you that. It's not really what you want to hear when you're persistently praying for something and somebody says to you, well, it's okay, God's answering, God's listening, but sometimes he says no. It's true. But that explanation can't account for the many cases in which our requests surely are in tune with God's will and things like I mentioned about hunger and about violence and war ceasing. But Scripture does bear witness If you study the whole word, the whole counsel of God's word, we know that one day everyone will have enough to eat. We know that one day all wars will cease. So we have to think about God's timetable. Another explanation I've had friends give me when it comes to unanswered prayer is, well, everything happens for a reason. Heard that one? Everything happens for a reason. That sounds really good. I believe it's true in the supremacy of God. Everything does happen for a reason. God is not just carelessly watching the world rotate. But it is a troubling explanation because that means, if we say it loosely like that, that whatever happens must be God's will. Violence, torture, starvation. We know that's not true. So how do you reconcile all those? What can we say then when God doesn't answer our prayer the way that we want? Well, here's what we have to do. We have to realize and affirm what Scripture tells us, that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, incredible, majestic, as we were just singing about. He is the only supreme power in the world, our God. Now, that means there are other powers at work. Other powers that want to thwart God's will. We as human beings have our own free choice and free will. Which oftentimes gets in the way of God's will. We know what scripture says to us. And we can affirm again what scripture tells us. Particularly what Jesus tells us in this passage. As he continues to talk about us. about Talk about how important it is to be a person of persistence. We have to be willing to risk and trust God and to claim those verses of Scripture that many of us know, like Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. That doesn't mean all things work together the way that you and I want. That means all things work out for the good. God will take bad things that happen and it will work good in our lives through those circumstances and through those things that happen and ultimately to bring Him glory. And that's what Jesus is trying to point out, is you have to step out and you have to be willing to risk. The other thing that's so important that Jesus says here when it comes to praying is praying persistently. Being passionate, being persistent in prayer. It isn't that God is reluctant when we pray, or that God needs to be persuaded to act in a certain way that we are asking, it's not that God has to climb again over several people to get to the doorway. Our persistence in praying doesn't change God. Our persistence in praying changes us. Because it helps us recognize the magnitude and the intensity of our request. It helps us develop a heart and a passion for God and what God wants. And so to practice persistency 
in our prayer does more to change our heart and mind than his. It helps us understand and express this intensity. And as you know, I'll write down questions. And here's two questions I wrote down for me. Maybe you could ask these of yourself today. Number one, what do I need to be persistent in prayer about? I believe in the next weeks and months, church family in our church, I'm asking us to be persistent in prayer, not only about our personal walk with Jesus, but in our corporate walk with Jesus, because I believe that what God is doing, wants to do, and can do in the life of our church family will not happen without the power of prayer. We can have a great plan, we can have great logic, we can even ask God for wisdom, which is a part of praying. But without the power of God's Holy Spirit through prayer, we're going to be in trouble. So what do you and I need to be persistent in prayer about? I also wrote this down. Jack, what have you stopped being persistent in prayer about? Because we can grow weary in praying for the things that are on our heart. We can grow weary in praying for the salvation of a friend, a loved one. We can grow weary in praying for healing of a friend. We can grow weary in praying for all countless needs that we have. And sometimes we just kind of just throw in the towel and go, God, I'm, I'm weary, I give up. For some of us, I hope today, as we look at this scripture, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will call you out to recommit yourselves to pray for some of those things that you just said, okay, God, I give up. You'll never change that situation. It may be for some friends whose marriage is failing. It may be for a child who's gone off, that you think they've gone off the deep end, they'll never return to Jesus. I want to I just remind you who our God is, because our God is able, able, capable to do above and beyond what we can even ask, imagine, or think. That's the God that we serve. Hello? All right, just making sure you guys haven't gone to sleep or you're thinking about Krispy Kreme donuts still. God is able to do that. But he's looking at us saying, are you going to be persistent? Those of you who have kids, hang around kids, have cousins, nieces, nephews. Maybe even a family pet. Talk about persistence. I was thinking about our little dog at our house, Sasha. Trying to eat my chicken last night and she's just sitting there at my feet. <laughs> and I'm like, leave me alone. This is mine. You've already had your food. Leave me alone. We can learn a lot from animals, I'm just saying. I mean, talk about persistence. I'm like, no, no, no. And then finally, after about 50 times, I'm like, okay, here's a piece of chicken. And, you know, she does backflips and all kinds of stuff. She's excited. Folks, why aren't we that way when we're asking God for things? Now, I'm not talking about praying for the latest, greatest 2021 Maserati for you to drive around five forks. Okay, those are prayers we know that those probably aren't prayers that God has laid on your heart that are going to change you. They might change you and your, your uh, perspective in the community, but you know what I'm saying. There are some things that God is motivating us to pray for, spiritual things, family things, relationship things, things that are important. And he's asking us to be persistent. He's asking us for, to be willing to risk. I don't know if you've ever had to step out. I, I, I have, and I'll be honest. I think as one of your pastors here, I'm on the verge of God asking me to do this again. And I'm really not happy about it. I'll just be honest. If you've ever had God push you and compel you like Jesus did with the disciples that we talked about last week, to do something, to step out and risk and not know exactly what's going to happen, that's called faith. And I sense in my life that's exactly what God's doing right now. 
and maybe even in the life of our church, to step out and do it, and to, through the power of prayer, stay connected enough to God that God walks with you on the journey. See, type A personality likes to have the plan downloaded from God. Thank you, God, so much. Meet you at the destination point. Folks, that's not trusting among, among the power of prayer. That's not walking in relationship with God and trusting and risking. And that's what Jesus is saying. So he says to them, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be opened. So he's talking about this importance of prayer to be willing to risk. But then he kind of shifts the conversation a little bit at verse 11. Which at first reading you may go, okay, wow, this doesn't even sound like it goes with this story. What's he saying? He says in verse 11, now suppose... One of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. One of you homeowners is asked by your dog for an extra piece of chicken. He wouldn't give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he would not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil, he's saying to this group, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's talking not just about Pentecost coming and the promise of the Holy Spirit that is coming, those gifts that are coming, but He's talking about the ultimate, the emphasis here is on the gift giver, not the gifts. The gift giver, God Himself, that James, by the way, says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, comes from above, comes from God. If you and I know anything about gifts, or we've ever received a perfect gift, we know that that is where the gift comes from. So he's saying this to us, another reason that we can be a person of shameless audacity is we have to know that God is the giver of gifts. God is the giver of gifts. This is where we find encouragement, because he's sharing in this parable, be persistent, be persistent, not to get the gifts. We have a whole denomination of people in our world who have started chasing the gifts. Nothing wrong with the gifts. Jesus is sharing this story to say, not so that the Father will give you the gifts, but so that in the process you will experience the gift giver. You will see that he's trustworthy. You'll see that he's able to meet your needs. You'll see that you can trust him with your prayers. You'll see that you can step out and risk and he will be there. The emphasis on the gift giver. He's giving them encouragement to say, hey, if... All you fathers would bless your children. That's, that's not even a question. Of course you would. You wouldn't give them something the opposite of what they've asked for, especially something evil. You'd never do that. And so he's saying, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you? Because he is a supplier of good gifts. He is the gift giver. So I don't know, dear friend, church family, where you're struggling today. When it comes to this person of shameless audacity, what God might be stirring up in your heart when it comes to prayer. But I just want to challenge you and ask you, are you being a person of persistence? Are you willing to risk? And oftentimes, one of the points there, oftentimes... Those prayers are meeting the needs of other people, as is the case in this story. I love again how Jesus starts this story out. 
Because if you'll notice what he says in verse 5, he uses a very important word, and that word is friend. Friend. If you and I are children of God, and we know Jesus, we are a friend of God. We are a friend of God. Some of us maybe act like in our Christianity that for us to bring our request to God is like we're illegitimate. God doesn't love us, that we're like the red-headed stepchild. No, you're a friend of God. You're a friend of God. He wants you to bring your request to Him. He desires to meet those needs because He is the gift giver. This morning, I don't know what you are facing in your life, how your week has been, what God is challenging you to do when it comes to this area of prayer. But church family, I I just want to, to share with you that for me, God is calling me to a deeper commitment to pray. God is calling me to a deeper commitment in my relationship with Him. I believe God's calling us as a church family into a deeper relationship with Him. Maybe today you'd say, you know what, I have things going on in my life that maybe only you and God know. And you need to experience the power of prayer. You need to be shameless in your audacity to bring those at the feet of Christ. Maybe part of that is identifying your need of Jesus. Just saying, I need you, Lord. That's the most important prayer, by the way. But for most of us, maybe in this room, we know the Lord, but maybe He has placed some challenges in our lives. And we're kind of wondering, why are we, what, what is this challenge about? Maybe that challenge is simply there to see if you will turn into a person of shameless audacity and be persistent in your prayers and in your communication with the Lord. You think the objective is something else. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's about you and your relationship with Jesus. Would you pray with me right where you are this morning? In just a minute, I'm going to invite every person in this room, church family, to respond today in a little bit different invitation. Yes, there may be someone here today and you don't know Jesus, and if that's the case, I would love to pray with you. I'm going to ask Keith to come in just a moment, our teaching pastor, student pastor, and we'll be here if you need to pray that most important prayer of salvation. But for the rest of us, the majority of us, perhaps, church family, I'm I'm asking each of us this morning, if you are physically able, in just a moment, to find a place at the front of this church and to pray. For whatever God's placed on your heart, it may be something personal, it may be something corporate about the life of our church and the future of our church. Would you be willing to step out with me? Folks, i got to tell you, I am so far out of my comfort zone that if God Almighty does not intervene and lead us, we are in deep trouble. He's calling us to risk. He's, He's trustworthy. He's a God that loves you. He loves me. And so in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to join me at the front if you're able. To grab a chair, to stand, wherever you want to do that. And we're going to have a time of prayer together in just a minute. You may be visiting Crossroads today and may be saying, 
how I have found my church home. If that's you, I'd love to talk with you this morning and tell you how you can be a part of an incredible church family. Father, I pray in these moments, Holy Spirit, that you would have the freedom to work. Would you move in our hearts today? Maybe there are friends here in this room whose hearts are very heavy about personal things, financial things, marriage things, kids things, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit of God, would you help us to be persistent? Pray that you'd have your way this morning. Church family, I'm going to ask you just quietly and reverently, if you would, would you just stand to your feet right where you are? Would you just stand to your feet? And if you feel led to come down this morning just to pray, we're not going to sing right now, but if you feel led just to come down and pray, I'm just going to ask you to come down. You can sit in one of these chairs. You can kneel. You can go over to the side. Whatever God leads you to do as we pray together. Just a minute. God, as He can hear billions of people praying at the same time. So I don't want this to freak you out, but this is what they do around the world. Where We don't do it so much in America, but I want to ask you just, if you're comfortable right where you are, just to start praying. If you want to pray out loud, that's great. God will hear you. God will hear all of us. He's got big ears. Whatever that request is, whatever that need is in your heart, would you just ask, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. So just pray right there where you are. somebody to pray with you this morning by the way that's one of the greatest gifts God has given the church to pray for one another if you need somebody to pray with you this morning will you just lift up your hand anybody need somebody to pray with them today no shame in that you just lift up your hand I promise you another crossroads family member will Stand alongside you and pray with you. 
Lord Jesus, we call upon the name of the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some trust in mighty forces, mighty armies, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Lord, on behalf of these friends who are praying, some in their seats, some here at the front, God, I, I just ask that the Holy Spirit of God would meet every single need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you, through the circumstances that we are facing, those needs that we have, those needs that, honestly, time to time, God, it's, they seem like they're just going to break us into a million pieces. And we confess to you, God, that when that happens, we know that when we are weak, you are strong. And we must depend on you. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us when we act like we can depend all on us. And we fail to recognize that you are that friend who stands willing to help us meet the needs of others and the needs of ourselves. You're telling us to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking. So I pray for these friends and for our church family, God. Would you make us a people of shameless persistence? Not letting go of you until you hear us. Because we know, God, that when we do that, not that you're going to it's going to change you. It's going to change us. It's going to make us understand more how we can trust you to meet our every need. So I pray, Lord Jesus, for these friends today. Would you give them the comfort of your Holy Spirit? Would you give them the peace that passes all understanding? Would you give them what your word promises to us? Now, Lord, strengthen us. Make us the people that you want us to be. Help us to be men and women, boys and girls of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are the gift giver. That you call us friend, you call us child, you love us, and you want to, yes, lavish us with gifts and to meet our needs. But, Lord... We want to recognize who the gifts are from. They're from you, God. You are awesome and holy and wonderful. Thank you for being our Abba Father, our Daddy, our Heavenly Father. That we can trust and we can run to. And for those of us that know you, Lord, there is no person, no, not one person in this room who knows you that is illegitimate, that you say, don't bring that request to me, it's unimportant. That you care. You care, God. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Would you help us to use it more often than we do? Help me to use it more often than I do. Not as a wish upon a star. Or to ask a genie in a bottle to meet my needs. But to build my relationship with a heavenly father who proved his love for me. I'm going to ask if you're, when you finish praying and we're not in a hurry, you just quietly can move back to your seat. And if you need Heath or I to pray with you or share with you, we'd love to do that this morning.
We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.